This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Beard coming to you this Thursday night and welcome in to Finn Cider Radio. It is a busy week here for both Josh Houts and I. Thank you so much for joining us to the Jake and Josh show. Before we get into all the action that is just around the corner coming to you on Thursday night, please hit that subscribe button. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, if you're having fun listening to the show going through the year with us, no matter how bad or good the Dolphins might be, leave us a review, leave a comment. That stuff helps us out so, so much. And, you know, we're doing film breakdowns. Josh, a little more than I, but, you know, I'm throwing a couple things out there where I think I uh, am making a couple good points. And so so be sure to keep the conversation going with us on Twitter. I can be found at, at jmendel, J-M-E-N-D-E-L, 94. And how it's, it's pretty simple for him, at H-O-U-T-Z. And without any more ranting or rumblings, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, man. We were talking before we came on about how this is the mustache versus the beard, and we both joked that, you know, you might not be able to grow any facial hair. Mine's pretty <laughs> patchy. But one thing we both have is a nice mane of hair. And uh, I know you were telling me before we came on that your hair's growing out. So we definitely need to see a picture of that. But like you said, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave us those five-star ratings because without you, there is no us. Big game this week. I mean, we're going to jump right into it here. But 
the Dolphins are 0-2. You know, the Jacksonville Jaguars are 1-1, and that's not something we really expected, you know, heading into this season. We thought, if anything, it might be vice versa. So, mm-hmm. huge matchup, two very similar quarterbacks, and as you know, these guys are slowly starting to have a little bit of ill will towards each other, starting to seem. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, and you can tell it's not, like, too serious, uh, but, but Ryan Fitzpatrick... Uh, came out and said the mustaches versus the beard. Uh, I think the beard is cooler, obviously, because he has one. Guys that uh, grow mustaches have patchy sides. And, and Minshew responded with, I'm going to have respect for my elders, especially when they're much, much elder. And, I mean, okay. I, I mean, I guess that's a comeback. I mean, it's two teams that probably aren't going to go too, too far this year, throwing a couple jags at, jabs at each other. It's all fun and games, I feel. I mean, you know, that's kind of the go-to. It's either you're too young where you can't grow a beard or you're so old that, you know, you're an elder. I mean, there's that's kind of the two sides of, of, of a lighthearted choke in terms of those two. It really is. And, again, I don't think there was anything really too out of the – ordinary here to be said i think it was adam beasley the miami hero was the one that asked the question i think he straight up said you know why are beards better than mustaches so obviously anyone whether you have a beard or not i mean that's kind of what your ultimate goal is we talked right. about before the show i mean i can sit here and tell you 100 percent confidently that the only reason i ever had a mustache was because it was patchy as hell on the side so ryan <laughs> fitzpatrick wasn't wrong with what he said uh but garner Minshew, i mean you see that mustache we've seen him with a beard i don't think he has any problem with either of those but it's going to be fun to see because, as you said, I mean, these two guys, both very talented quarterbacks, both teams have to kind of get an identity together sooner rather than later because this is a long season, but we're slowly starting to, you know, pick up momentum here. So if the Dolphins can fall 0-3, to I mean, that would be that, that would be pretty devastating for the 2020 season. We know we saw teams bounce back, but, I mean, this is crazy. And we talked about earlier in the year, we were joking how this Jaguars team was going to be that team you follow in your survivor pool. That hasn't yep. been the case, and I mean, heading into this game, they're three-point favorites to the Dolphins, so, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting matchup, and it, it's fun to see because, you know, I think the Jacksonville's wearing the all-aqua or the teal or whatever color scheme there, you know, whatever the correct word is for them, I'm interested to see what the Dolphins wear, I don't know if they're going to go with the throwbacks or, you know, all white, maybe we even see the orange, I mean, I truly do not know, but <laughs> I'm excited, this is the first primetime game, I mean, the whole world's gonna be watching, in typical Dolphins fashion, I mean, how many times have we been sitting here, and you know, you pregame all day, you get excited, you see all, everyone's tweeting about, you know, the Thursday night game, and then the Dolphins go out there, whether it's Monday night, Thursday, Sunday, they go out there, and they just get their butt spanked oh. in front of national television, mm-hmm. and we're all sitting there, you know, we're the butt of the joke for the rest of the week, so, we just hope the Dolphins come out here, and, you know, we'll talk about the keys to success, but it's fun. It's Thursday night football, early game. Things are starting to heat up. Yeah, and I think the important thing here, too, is you mentioned Jacksonville is certainly being a team you'd want to follow in uh, Survivor is because they kind of had the sense that Trevor Lawrence was the direction they were going, and Gardner Minshew is doing everything he can to not let that happen. I think he has six touchdowns uh, through two games compared to only two interceptions. And, you know, I had a rant last week about, you know, the pan- or you know last show. Sorry, it's all kind of coming uh, together. There's there's a certain concern when a team is winless, right? I get it's only two weeks, but as those losses start to stack up, uh, the season quickly becomes a roller coaster. And, you know, each time that uh, you have a loss, you obviously drop lower and lower and lower. And just the way the Dolphins have done it the last two years, everyone was feeling good about the team at the end of last year because they finished with uh, five and nine wins to have that five and 11 record. And with the kind of concern or situation that the Dolphins are dealing with here is that, 
until they get that win and we start to drop lower and lower, that concern of that five wins and nine opportunities, which, I mean, again, still isn't great. If you win every five of nine games, you're probably looking at, what, a nine and seven record, give or take, by the end of a season. Um, so it, it's not, it's like a really fringe way of looking at things and, and you know some people mentioned about our panic I guess which you know we did mention it's early we did mention all that stuff but there is legitimately some panic around this team and I ranted about the running backs and I think the key in, in talking about them versus the issues in the secondary the lack of issues on the offensive line which we did we did talk about those but I just thought running back was such a key to thing to talk about is because this is such a I don't want to say an easy fix, but but a solution be, can be found right around the corner. Whether it's just letting Jordan Willie or, or Jordan Howard break out of the slump, whether you just rip off his helmet and it's Kalen Balaj and you give Matt Breida more carries. That's kind of why I, I ran about the running backs because there's more opportunities available than what's being given, and, and that's kind of the situation we have there. Uh, but I mean, the the overall to kind of get back on track here, the Jaguars are looking like a much better team than the Miami Dolphins, and right that then and there, obviously, it's only two games into the season. It's still a little bit of a concern going into this game that the Dolphins could potentially be 0-3. And then, you know, people might kind of swing back that Denver, who's next on their schedule, has dealing with their injury injuries. Obviously, we might see Jeff Driscoll. But, I mean, you want to see this team compete against the, the games where it could be 50-50. I thought Buffalo was kind of a 50-50 game where they could win or lose. Uh, but And that's kind of what it boiled down to being so close. And that's why that goal line drive was so frustrating because the next step in terms of the Dolphins, once you know the roster's together, is winning those tight matchups because uh, something the Dolphins haven't had is winning those games you should win. And Thursday night is most certainly a game, the Miami Dolphins, with the roster put together, even without Byron Jones, uh, is something that should happen. I, I think we should both be pretty confident about that. Would you agree? Yeah, I absolutely would agree. And I think, you know, we got a little bit of slack about talking about the running backs, and then I kind of sat there and remembered. You know, we weren't talking about the running backs playing bad because, let's be honest, this is a huge step up from what we saw a year ago. What we were complaining about was that lack of effort at the goal line, and you ran the ball one time, and, you know, you just completely abandoned the run game when you got a guy like Jordan Howard that you're paying $10 million over two seasons. You traded for Matt Burita, you know? So we're excited about Miles Gaskin. We're excited about the running back group because, again, compared to last year, this is a complete transformation, but... You'd like to see the Dolphins punch that ball in there at the end at the goal line. And, I mean, let's be honest, that was the difference between a win and a loss. Uh, we're not going to sit here and go too crazy right now talking about hypotheticals, but if the Dolphins go 0-3 to the Jacksonville Jaguars, like you said, and I'm one of those guys who, I mean, I try to be, a, you know, that half-cup-full type guy. You know, you're sitting here and you're everyone's down on the Dolphins, and rightfully so. I mean, they spent they had all that cap space. What was it, $120 million, 14 draft picks. You know, they brought in 24 new players this offseason season. Last season, you know, maybe they didn't. They only won five games. They started out slow and didn't really quite pick things up till, towards the end of the season because Brian Flores was just starting to implement his culture, his system, find the right guy, seeing who fit his scheme. Year two, I mean, he brought in an entirely new system and new group of players, and we know the type of offseason they've had. And I'll sit here and we, we can use that as an excuse, but like others have said, you know, every team has those type of has had the same type of offseason. Every team has had to overcome some of those issues. You know, I believe Jacksonville has a new offense coordinator. Uh, their offense looks pretty freaking good. So, you know, there's different factors. Every team's dealing with different things, but at the same time, you know, it's an even playing field. And for the Dolphins to go down 0-3, you know, three weeks into the season to, to be winless, to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars on prime time. I mean, it's, it's going, that, that would be tough to overcome. And I think at that point, you know, 
we already see it now. People are turning on the Dolphins. You kind of hear people even questioning Brian Flores at this point, and that's just crazy to me. I mean, it's way too early to do that. It was never a two-year rebuild. The Dolphins were never going to compete in 2020, and I, when I say compete, I mean they're not going to go and win a playoff game. You know, They're not going to make it two or three rounds deep into the playoffs. Honestly, I don't know if I'm ever going to see that again in my lifetime, as sad as that sounds, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the Dolphins were never going to be an AFC juggernaut in 2020. Let things come together. But if they start out 0-3 to Gardner Minshew, I mean, I don't care how good he's playing right now. And you mentioned it. They were tanking for Trevor. Minshew's going out there and doing exactly what we saw Ryan Fitzpatrick do. The only difference is Gardner Minshew's 24 years old. And I have to give a shout-out to Travis Wingfield. And I know him and I have had our differences. But he said last year, and I believe it was, that he would give up one of those first-round picks for Gardner Minshew. And I made a joke about it. I mean, Gardner Minshew's going out there playing his ass off. I don't know if I'd give a first-round pick for him. But for a team like Jacksonville or any team in the National Football League that needs a young quarterback. I mean, there's nothing wrong with this guy. He's 24 years old. I think Jacksonville needs to build around him. I think what he's doing down there is great, but the Dolphins got to go out there and they got to be a completely different football team or else it's going to be much of the same that we saw over the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think it just comes down to trying and figuring out different ways to win football games. And and with the Dolphins being 0-2, I think you're just hoping that that can kind of come along. I think this team has the talent where – uh, you know, a four-game win streak at some point in terms of hitting teams at the right time, uh, uh, teams with injuries, teams that are just straight up better than is going to come. But, I mean, I think when we look at the Dolphins, we were kind of hoping more than a four- or five-win team. And, of course, you know, this can change in, in a heartbeat. But, I mean, with what we do, with what we do talking about this team every week, we have to take things for what we have at the moment. And at the moment, the Dolphins have been struggling. And, Josh, for me, I want to bring up a player who I think is going to have a need to have a bigger role uh, for this team is Brandon Jones because as we mentioned Minshew has 520 yards through two games six touchdowns to just two interceptions they lost to the Titans by three after beating the Colts uh, who who were a sleeper Super Bowl contender might still be and the reason I talk about Brandon Jones is because he almost had double digit tackles for the second straight week the Josh Allen passes we talked about last week four of them three of them being over 40 yards one at 38 one at being 26 And Bobby McCain has really been struggling as a safety. So we kind of mentioned it, and I kind of screened it, uh, uh, you know, before. How would we feel about, you know, putting Brandon Jones at safety, you bring Bobby McCain down to the nickel? Brian Flores was actually asked about it, and for the first time ever, it kind of seemed like Brian Flores was legitimately thinking about it. I think his reaction was still, you know, we'll think about it, but we're going to do whatever is best for this team to win. But it kind of seemed like maybe it's a possibility, especially Byron Jones isn't ruled out, but it's it's really looking like he's doubtful. I mean, Rashad Jones was an in-the-box safety, and he quickly became that uh, that that ball hawk that you need. And a lot of the times, I mean, especially that week one against the, the Patriots, the Dolphins could have just, they didn't need that safety high. You need the guy, you know, in that box who can kind of run over those slants, run over those out routes and just kind of take the ball the other way. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the year why I thought Eric Rowe would be the first one to have an interception for the team just because of having those guys play press in those out routes. But, I mean, Brandon Jones, I think, is a has a good opportunity here to take advantage of uh, just having those snaps and solidifying himself as a starter. I think Noah Igbenogany will see out there again. He got torched by Stefan Diggs. He was one of the lowest pro football focus grades of the week. I think he was the second lowest rookie. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, it's hard. Stephon Diggs is a great wide receiver, and he didn't have a lot of help. But I think, you know, if you move Bobby McCain down into the, uh, you know, as a, as a slot guy, he becomes a better player. And I think having Brandon Jones back there, he's already shown he's capable of something. So why not give it a shot? I love that pick, and we've talked about how good 
Brandon Jones looked, you know, early in the season, didn't quite get those reps that we would have had hoped, you know, against Buffalo. But this was the exact quote, and he was asked about Bobby McCain and Brandon Jones. He said, Brian Flores said, we look at all options. Bobby's got experience at a lot of positions, corner, slot, safety. Brandon played a few different positions in college. We'll look at every option. Something that we've talked about as a staff from just a personnel standpoint is what's the best group of guys we can put out there and gives us the most competitive group. A lot of conversations like that are had. Bobby's obviously a part of a lot of those conversations because he's so versatile. We'll continue to try to put the best group out there that we can on a weekly basis. So, I mean, again, we you have to do something differently. At some point, you can't just keep getting beaten to death with the same crossing patterns, getting beat because your your safety's you know playing up too close or just out of position. Bobby McCain was never a great free safety. He he made that huge contract, you know, playing in the nickel. So I have no issue with Brandon Jones seeing a bigger role. For me, I, I tried to look at reps and I tried to figure out a guy that might, you know, get more playing time and things like that. Lynn Bowden's the first guy that came out, and I, I don't want to harp too much on this, but he's just a wide receiver that I think they need to get touches to. I don't know if you guys – we talk about fantasy football all the time. He's still listed as a running back in some leagues. So, you know, in some leagues, people hoard running backs. In most fantasy leagues this year, people are hoarding running backs, especially with everyone getting hurt. If you see Lynn Bowden out there and he's listed as a running back, go make that move. But for me, the biggest X factor, and I kind of think that's what you were going with this, with this question, was you know which player can come in, step up, and be an – uh, factor in this game and to me it has to be Kyle Van Noy I, I talked a little bit about Lynn Bowne a second ago and to me it's going to be the the front of the Dolphins and you know the defensive line and you can talk about Christian Wilkins you can talk about those edge setters and Emmanuel Agba and Shaq Lawson Jerome Baker's another guy I thought about him and Kyle Van Noy are seeing some of the most snaps on the defense but to me right. it's not really about snaps it's about going out there and making plays and we saw Jerome Baker was all over the field you know he had 16 tackles week one against New England you, you know, besides that game-changing, you know, uh, strip that went in the end zone for a touchback, those tackles were how many yards downfield? You know, Jerome Baker going to have Absolutely. 20 tackles, but if the guy's getting five to eight yards every carry, it really doesn't mean anything. So mm-hmm. I want to see Jerome Baker Kiko come Alonso out there. Effect. The Kiko Alonso <laughs> effect. You want to see Jerome Baker come out there and make plays, and most importantly, you want to see Kyle Van Noy because I, I searched my name earlier, and I looked up from 2018. I had a AFC uh, – it was the AFC – championship game against Kansas City. Kyle Van Noy was all over the field. I mean, this guy was a difference maker. And I remember watching that tape and thinking, damn, this dude's coming to Miami alongside Jerome Baker with this secondary, with this new defensive line. Like, this was going to be a game-changing player. We know what he can do in that New England system. You know, he's all over the place. He plays like his hair is on fire. We have not seen that early on. He had a chance to make that game-changing interception. Ball went right out of his hands. I need to see more from Kyle Van Noy based on how much money he's making. And I want to see more from Jerome Baker because we can sit here and say, you know, Jerome Baker is going to be this great Dolphins player. He's this great Dolphins linebacker. We need to see consistency. we got to right. see a player that's going to make those plays at the line instead of 5, 10 yards downfield. And we got to see a player who's much better in coverage. You know, a lot of people were down on McMillan because that was one of his issues. I don't think the Dolphins are any better with their coverage at, at linebackers. You know, everyone said Atlanta Roberts can cover. Camus Grazier Hill can cover. I don't think this Dolphins linebacking group can cover. So I'm going to say Kyle Van Noy, Jerome Baker. Those are the two guys that I need to see more out of. I need to see them step up and take the game over the way that they have shown, at least at some point in their career, that they were capable Absolutely. of doing because early on they just looked like they were a non-factor, just getting pushed around like a normal jag and for the money that Kyle Van Noy is making, for the money that Jerome Baker has is hoping to make for the Miami Dolphins. I need to see more. Yeah, and, you know, like, I think to boil it down, I think just somebody in that front seven, we need to hear an announcer say they're playing with their hair on fire. 
I mean, if I want to make it as simple as possible, we just need to see one guy who the the whatever the crew is are kind of highlighting every play. Like, what this guy's going to be the one to make an impact. This guy's going to do something. And the Dolphins just haven't had that. And what's so I guess weird about this Dolphins defense is for how you know nervous, scared, panicking we are. I mean, they gave up three turnovers against the New England Patriots and didn't let them score a single point off of those, right? And, you know, everyone wants to freak out. Yes, they Josh Allen had an amazing game. Josh Allen, you know, he's won the AFC play Offensive Player of the Week three times, and all three times it's come against that Dolphin defense. They legitimately can't stop him. I think we have to ex- accept Josh Allen's a good quarterback, but, I mean, somebody needs to really step up in that unit. And, you know, to kind of get into the three things I think we think that the Dolphins need to do in order to pick up this win, first and foremost, it starts with the turnover battle. The Dolphins had an opportunity to win despite the offense giving up a bananas or the defense giving up a bananas amount of yards because the Dolphins won the turnover battle. I couldn't believe it. Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't throw a pick. Nobody fumbled. And they, they squandered that. Obviously, you know, the miss on fourth down, you can kind of count that as a turnover. But, but for the sake of this, I don't think that's, that's really worth it because they got the ball at the one yard line. You know, it's just, it is what it is. Uh, the Jaguars love to throw the ball a lot. The Dolphins defense is yet to capture an interception. Van Noy had one go through his hands. Uh, there are eight teams in the NFL that ha- are yet to have an interception. And the Dolphins, based on their head coach, who loves his secondary, who loves his linebackers, should be just because of that coaching staff alone. You know, you talk about an offensive guru. They have a certain uh, uh, level of standard on the offense just because that's what they do as a coach. The Dolphins defense should be one that, you know, right, rightfully so, jumps ahead and wins a turnover battle every single week. I think that is going to be a key again for the Dolphins. It's strange because I think these three keys we've talked about and and both of these two games, and and I think what makes it frustrating is the Dolphins have done that in terms of making teams, uh, you know, pass the ball, go against that secondary. It's just not being able to step up at the point that's needed. So first and foremost, I think it has to start with winning that turnover battle. 100%. I mean, it's it all starts right there and you know you mentioned Jacksonville's offense and I think that's what's most surprising because for so many years we remember seeing this Jacksonville Jaguars team defensive minded I mean that's the reason they made it to the the AFC championship game a few years back because of that defense it wasn't because of Blake Bortles imagine if they had Gardner Minshew at that time I mean it'd be a completely different story but to see the way their offense is doing it's just unbelievable and the biggest thing here the Dolphins need to do besides winning a turnover battle like you said is they need to get out to an early lead the Dolphins have led for four minutes so far this season. You have that written down. Uh, I just need to give a shout-out to you because most of the content that we do on here, I mean, I, I do a lot of the, the behind-the-scenes with the actual podcast, but, I mean, you put together a hell of a rundown, and I just had to give you a shout-out for that. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Because <laughs> I, I don't know that people know what we truly put into this. So, you know, you have written here the Dolphins had led four minutes so far this season. Bills went 75 yards to take the lead after the Dolphins captured a 20-17 to advantage. Minshew is averaging 250 yards passing and three touchdowns a game. So you mentioned the Dolphins have to they have to win the turnover battle, and a lot of that is shutting down those receivers. And I was a huge LaVisca Chenault fan, and to see what he's doing there in Jacksonville, great for him. But he's going to be a problem for the Dolphins. I don't really know if DJ Chark's playing. I know I have him in many fantasy leagues, so I have to look up and see if he's a go for this game. But the Dolphins are going to have trouble with these this speed on on Jacksonville's offense, and you mentioned James Robinson here, and he's a player that I remember seeing at the Senior Bowl, and I don't know if if people follow me on Twitter, if you should, but James Robinson broke off a long touchdown run, and at the time, one of the Dolphins' offensive quality coordinators, an offensive, I guess he was an assistant to the running backs coach, 
he came out in the field and he was sitting there celebrating with James Robinson rowing a boat at the senior at the Shrine game. I mean, this is a guy that was on the Dolphins' radar. I would have loved to see James Robinson in Miami. I mean, we know how badly they needed a running back. But to see what he's doing there after Leonard Fournette's gone, I mean, this guy, he's a he's a explosive player. You have right here James Robinson, one big run, 39 yards, and one touchdown on the season. He's averaging five point yards per carry. And to a Dolphins team that gave up 217 yards on the ground in week one, that is going to be right there what the Dolphins have to do. They have to get up there, and like you said, we mentioned the front seven. They got to take this game over. They got to stop the run. They got to force Garner Minshew to throw the football, just like we said last week. And you know, it's funny because last week they got gashed for 400 plus yards against Josh Allen. I mean, will that happen again? I don't know, but the Dolphins have to figure it out, and they got to figure it out fast. Stop the run, get pressure on Minshew, and force him to make mistakes. Because if you're not getting those, if you're not winning the turnover battle, like you're saying, if you're not jumping out to an early lead, it's going to be an uphill battle. And 0-3, it's it's a long season after that. Yeah, and and with that too, you can kind of correct me if I'm wrong, and you can kind of read those, you know, big plays that the the Bills had, the the three plays of 40 plus yards and more. It seems like the Miami Dolphins have been kind of playing with the game in front of them where they've kind of tried to play safe, right? Where they where they don't let anyone break off a 70-yard touchdown or anything like that. If they're going to get a big play, it's going to be over the middle. It's going to be for 30 to 40 yards, not the 60 to 70. That's certainly possible. You mentioned the speed of Jacksonville, and I think that's really important because what how the Dolphins are going to prepare for this game is, I think, going to be the, the same thing as keeping plays in front of them. And if you're playing like that where players are trying to get behind you, there's one of two things are going to happen. They're going to either beat you or you're going to make a play, right? It's it's one or the other. So this is where I think the offense is going to be different than what the Bills did, where the Bills did a lot of those crossing patterns, getting guys out in space. I think the Jaguars are going to focus more on going right downfield. And maybe that's where we start to see the Brian Flores game plan of being able to shut people down. So that's kind of my wondering of what's going on there because James uh, James Robinson, for what he has, the, the 139 yard run and, and 5.1 yards of carry, he's actually been used on a limited basis. The Jaguars have primarily been a ball team that throws the ball and I think that's going to continue. I think you're going to look at what Buffalo did to the Dolphins and that's what Jacksonville, especially on a short week, is going to try to do is stick to their game plan. So, I mean, that's why I think someone like a Brandon Jones, that's why I think Bobby McCain playing the slot is so important because we need to force Minshew into those long boundary throws where we can kind of see someone like an Xavier Howard or Noah Igbenogny, maybe hopefully a Byron Jones make a play on the ball so they can really have an opportunity to change the game, show that Brian Flores' system has potential because, like, generally speaking right now, we're kind of getting the old cliches from Flores. We're just going to put our team in our best situations to uh, win. Simple as that. So I think that's really will really begin in terms of the Dolphins are going to have to, they're going to put Jacksonville in passing situations. It's just how the NFL works these days, and it's really going to tell us a lot. If the Dolphins are, are zero and three again, it's still too early till we're really having the deep conversations of the panics of the concerns. But I mean, zero and three we really will have to start talking about it. We need to see something out of this team that proves that they're headed in the right direction, that they can win football games. Because last year was about getting attuned, becoming accustomed. I think you said there are 24 new players on this team. And I understand that. There was no preseason. But so many other teams did that as well. Jacksonville, everybody said, was tanking. Just like the Dolphins. They kind of put them on the same level. And the Dolphins last year weren't some, you know, darlings, surprise team. It The Dolphins, we, we say they're going to be the the legitimate contender hopefully next season but this year that means this year in order to continue that trajectory there's gonna have to be some pleasant surprises from this team I think I think we can both agree on that we're gonna have to see people kind of step up oh Kyle Van Noy he's turned into an all pro with the Miami Dolphins 
Oh, Jerome Baker, he became an all-star. Oh, Miles Gaskin, he is actually breaking off a bunch of runs longer than 15 yards. These guys are making plays when there isn't a play to be made. I mean, I was watching the Cowboys game, and Jalen Richard, I think, is their backup running back, and I see him spinning out of tackles for 15, 20-yard gains and just really having an explosive, you know, type of speed. And that's the type of player I want to see kind of poof out of nowhere for the Dolphins because in order for that, like, we can't just snap our fingers and say, hey, we're going to have another five-win season, but next year we'll be in the playoffs. It doesn't necessarily work like that. We need to see progress. And I'm going to get more tweets. Why are you, you know, why are you complaining? It's so early. And I wouldn't say we're complaining. We're looking at what's been given to us. And there are legitimate concerns on this team until we're proven otherwise. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And that's what it really all comes down to. I mean, we're all fans of the Miami Dolphins. We can all try to sit here and try to find the good and bad in pretty much anything. But, I mean, if if you're sitting here and watching the Dolphins get gashed up the middle for 200 yards on the ground week one, and then you're watching Josh Allen throw 400-plus yards week two when everyone, you know, week one, our entire game plan, everyone knew you go into that game, you run the football, yeah. and you and – you, take out Cam's legs and force him to throw the football. The Dolphins didn't do any of that. You know, they got gashed. We thought you would stop the run game, force Josh Allen to throw. They did that. Josh Allen absolutely gashed them. So, I mean, we can sit here and say that we're complaining and it's early and, you know, you do want to see some some uh, improvement. And, I mean, we, we can sit here and we're, we're being a little hard on this team maybe or maybe we're not. I, I don't know how we see what we see on Twitter. Some people – Love the direction, you know. There's, there's no in the in between, and that's kind of what we're trying to bring you here. But what you need to see out of this team is you just need to see someone like you said go out there and make a freaking play. You know, you hear about Brian Flores being this defensive guru, this guy who can go out there and shut down any offense, and we haven't seen it. And I don't know at what point we need to start talking about him taking that damn playbook from Josh Boyer and going out there and calling the plays. I mean, the defense wasn't great last year, but we saw progression. We saw the improvements, and we see what Patrick Graham, I mean, I think the Giants defense is doing decent this year with Patrick Graham up there, but I don't know why Brian Flores isn't calling these plays. And, you know, I know that there's sometimes coaches think that's taking on too much, and we saw what Adam Gase did. You know, he sits there and Mm -hmm. completely ignores the defense. We don't want that from Brian Flores. But we also don't want to go out there and be this one-dimensional defense that teams know how to attack and, you know, that don't change things up mid-game. We know we're a man team. You know they're a cover one team. But if you're getting gashed on those crossers, you have to do something. We need to see some kind of progress from one season to the next. And you mentioned it. You know, you come into the year and we all thought high of AVG. And, you know, we can sit here and go through the roster and there's promising players all throughout. But at what point, you know, at what point have they reached their ceiling? At what point is a Jerome Baker what we've seen? And, you know, he isn't this top 10 linebacker, you know, this game-changing player. You know, we need to see more from these guys who, uh, us as fans, who, as the Miami Dolphins organization, believe that they are playmakers, that they are leaders of this team. They need to go out there and they got to do something. If they go out there and let Gardner Minshew throw for 400 yards, I mean, that that's that's ugly to me. And uh, next week's podcast is going to be extremely interesting. And I say <laughs> next week, it'll be at the end of this week. Uh, we'll try to have one out, I guess, maybe Friday. We'll try to put one out yeah, or sometimes. Why not? 
recapping the Jags game, but if they go out there and they're like Gardner Minshew, I mean, a guy who, again, we talk about the talent, he doesn't have that same running ability as a Josh Allen, and we mentioned how we had to force Buffalo to, well, we had hoped to force Buffalo to throw the football. We don't have to worry about Gardner Minshew's legs quite as much as Josh Allen. I do think he has that sneaky aspect to him, kind of like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, but you don't have to worry about him going out there and just running the football down your throat. You need to stop the run, and you got to force him to make mistakes. And as we've seen early on, the Dolphins have not done that, and it's it's shown. So a lot to digest here, man. I, I just want to see the Dolphins show some progress, like you said. And you mentioned if they win five games. It, at the end of the year, it really doesn't matter how many games they win if you saw this progress. If you see Tua go out there and you know he starts eight games, goes four and four, you see the offensive line coming together, you see something in that secondary at, at safety, you see something up front that can get to the pass rusher, that can make plays. We haven't seen it yet. We need someone to step up, please. All that money you spent this offseason. Emmanuel Agba, Shaq Lawson, Kyle Van Noy. We know it won't be Byron Jones. Someone please step up, make a play, and, and put Jacksonville to rest. We need to come out of this one and two. Yeah, and it's it's tough because I know we want to. There's certainly some things to be excited about this team. The Dolphins legitimately have an offensive line. Austin Jackson has been good. Uh, Solomon Kinley. I mean, uh, we're gonna have to slap a brand on cheeks sooner rather than later with with how awesome he's been. And if Rob Hunt, you know, hits that, that is another potential. And and you know, people want to be excited about Miles Gaskin, and rightfully so. Obviously, he's taking control of that backfield. But I mean. Uh, averaging 43 yards on the ground a week isn't that exciting, especially when you're in two close games. When running the ball, you're going to have opportunities. I'd like to see him take another step forward. His longest run of the season is 15 yards. I'd love to see him kind of have a drive or two where he makes three or four plays and really helps the Dolphins with the ball downfield. They just don't have that explosive playmaker in that backfield. And and I'm not trying to hate on Miles Gaskin. He's certainly fine, but I mean, you... you, you and the NFL wants something a little bit better. Mike Jacecki, another one we can talk about who was fantastic last week, but at the same time, we know he's good. We know the potential of Mike Jacecki. We know he's a, he's a monster, but you can have these these decent or, or even elite players, if you want to put them in that category, and still be awful. You know what I mean? And, and that's where the concern comes about when I talk about, you know, they signed Matt Breida or trade for Matt Breida and sign Jordan Howard, and yes, it's only two weeks, the roles can definitely expand, and we can look at back at this laughing, but given the stuff that's been, or using the information that's been given to us, you have to wonder what the, the next step is, because they had a plan in place. They signed these guys for a reason. You don't give Jordan Howard that money if you're going to rush him five times a game, and he's not going to be a featured back. You don't trade for Matt Breida if you're going to kind of just use him Three targets a game. He wasn't targeted once in the passing game last week. You signed these guys with a plan, and we just didn't see that plan in the first two weeks. Obviously, the coaching staff can say something along the lines of our game plan just didn't involve them this week, and it's going to take time. It will certainly take time, but the longer we go without a win, we go farther down on that roller coaster, and the farther it's going to take for us to work our way all the way back. You know what I mean? And that's why I kind of thought it was important for the Dolphins to float around 500 for as long as they could this season, just for the simple fact that 55% of the teams that make start 2-0 make the playoffs, and the Dolphins aren't one of those teams, but just the tone between like an 0-2 and 1-1 and is so different. I mean, if the Dolphins were with that, leave Jacksonville on Thursday night 1-2, and then we can kind of be like, oh, man, we see the progress. We see, you know, they were so close to beating Buffalo, but, but again, it's one of those if games. But the tone is certainly going to change how we kind of narrate the balance of around 500 for this team. And the final 
uh, key I have here is just simply play a clean ball game. Uh, on, on a short week, you need every advantage you can get. Limiting penalties is a great way to do that. The Dolphins had three penalties for 20 yards against the Bills, which is the best mark in the Brian Flores era. The TNT wall is certainly working. We're seeing a good opportunity there. Uh, and the Dolphins average penalties per game, just to kind of give you some context here, they averaged 8.6 a game in 2017, 6.8 in 2018, and 5.8 in 2019. And right now they're averaging three and a half. That is awesome. And New England's the only one with less, averaging 2.5 per game. The Jaguars had seven penalties last week. The Dolphins are going to have opportunities. And, you know, I might, my tone surrounding Miles Gaskin might be completely different if the Dolphins gave him that ball at the one-yard line and he brought it in. I don't like, you know, Jordan Howard if he ends the season with, you know, 15 carries for five touchdowns and 15 yards. I don't think that's why you bring in a running back. That, that's a fullback duty. That's why we have why is Chandler Cox on the team if you can't run it right up the middle, uh, right into Solomon Kidley, shout-out Cheeks. And, you know, the Dolphins have been awesome, too, at flipping the field. I think that will come in handy, especially if uh, there are a couple clean drives back and forth. I think the Jaguars are going to make some mistakes, and we're going to have to let Matt, Matt Hawk and Matt Collins, who you actually highlighted, do, do what they've been doing, which is a great job, if you'd like to expand on that a little bit. I mean, those two guys have been like the, the rock and sock connection. I mean, when one punts the ball down, to, you know, inside the five-yard line, the other one's running down there. I think that's kind of what Matt Collins has always been known for was his special teams being one of those gunners and, you know, getting down the field. Matt Hawk has been great at flipping the field. One thing I want to talk about, and we talked about these three keys, is the biggest matchup here, and we talked a lot about the, both teams' offense, but we didn't even really focus on the Jaguars' defense, especially the front seven. I mean, mm -hmm. this is freaking scary. They got Josh Allen. They got – uh, Clavion Chazon, which they drafted this year. They got Tavon Bryan, uh, the guy from Florida. They got Miles Jack. I mean, you go through this list, Timmy Jernigan, Avery Jones. I mean, you can go down the Jags front seven and I mean, it is, it is scary. And to think about them going up. And I mean, this is going to be a tough task for Austin Jackson, Flowers, Carras, Kinley Davis, the Dolphins offensive line. It is going to be a battle. And I'm excited to see, you know, the way, an Austin Jackson matches up against a Josh Allen. The way Solomon Kinley plays inside against uh, Taven Bryant. So this is going to be a hell of a game, especially when you look at the Dolphins' young offensive line against the Jaguars' young pass rushers. So I'm excited for this game. And again, maybe that's because it's a Thursday night game. Maybe it's because we know today's kind of like Christmas Eve and all day tomorrow we're going to be sitting here. You're going to have those butterflies in your stomach because, again, this is Miami Dolphins football. And I don't know about you, but no matter when they play, you know, you've just – feel it in your bones you know all day long you're just sitting there thinking about the Dolphins wondering what's going to happen playing the scenarios out in your head I mean we talk about it all week the keys mm -hmm. to success the keys to this game I mean uh, we live for this stuff so I'm excited I'm excited for this Thursday night game I think we touched uh you know pretty darn good on on the Dolphins three keys to victory they got to win the turnover battle they got to get out to an early lead and they got to play a clean ball game which has been one of the the bright spots since Brian Flores has come in here and we talk about it, and it's coach speak, and we keep hearing this, and we have to remember, and I'm very high, and we both, we absolutely love Brian Flores, but at what point does, you know, the techniques, they get they got to get better than the fundamentals. we got to practice better, and, and we'll see the results. At what point are fans, you know, is that, is that just coach speak? And we need to yeah. see some changes because that's what it comes down to. I mean, you can sit here and say it's poor technique, it's communication, it's this and that, but if Gardner Minshew goes out and goes 400 yards, I mean, that's a freaking problem regardless of Byron Jones in the lineup. Again, mm -hmm. no one really thought the Dolphins were sign signing Byron Jones. You know, we thought we were pretty content there, and then no one knew they were drafting Noah Igbenogany. You know, this secondary has a lot of valuable pieces that, like we talked about, 
They need to do better. The front seven has to do better. That defense as a whole has to do better. Because as we saw last week, the Dolphins scored, what, 28 points? The Dolphins scoring 28 points, that should have been an easy victory. It wasn't. Big game against Jacksonville. The beard and the mustache. I'm excited. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I, my apologies if people listen to this and, and think, oh, they're so doom and gloom and, and things like that. But but there are certainly, I mean, if you follow us on Twitter, there are certain, and I think we talk about a lot here, things we're excited about. But it's just, you know, you see the runnings on the wall of an 0-2 football team that, that you know, we ex- we expected to trust the process. But, but you know, you want to see some trends in the right direction. You want to see a couple of draft picks really flourish. Yes, we saw that in Jaseki and Williams. But just kind of the plant Wilkins... Uh, we just kind of want to see that plan start to come together. And trust me, nobody's going to be more excited about this team. Uh, will will be more excited than us about than us. There's no doubt about it. We will be as hyped up as possible once they start winning football games. It's just kind of hard to see the direction without the wins. Uh, and with that, I'm going to give you my projection. I'm again, I'm not being doom and gloom with this for the third straight straight week. I'm going to tell you why I think the Dolphins are going to win this game because I think it's going to be sloppy. I think it's going to be a really weird football game but i think the dolphins are going to do enough to pull out the win uh the jags are going to lead early as the dolphins again uh fail to have a feel for the running game but i think the a couple mistakes whether it's a Minshew interception a couple flags uh is going to really help flip the field and then we're going to have 10 days off we can either talk about how the lack of true se- uh, lack of the preseason is truly hitting this team and, and and how we can start to see it starting to come together because you think about it we can argue about how you, we didn't have preseason games, but a lot of these players barely play. We've they've had two weeks to kind of get things together. So there's gonna we can either be sitting here saying, looking back and be like, all right, the communication is getting better. These players are figuring out where they have to be. People are starting to make plays. They're getting close to making plays. The opportunities are there. Or we're gonna start and have a 45 minute conversation about how Tua needs to start for the Bron- against the Broncos. No matter how good Ryan Fitzpatrick is, you reach the point of. We're 0-3. What do we have to lose? It's time to start focusing on the future. And hopefully, Tua is one of those guys. And you mentioned 28 points is enough to win. But the Dolphins had opportunities to score more than that last week. And maybe uh, Tua can lead a team to score, you know, maybe an extra 10 points. You know what I mean? That, that I think, is a possibility. Just because, you know, you, you score a lot doesn't mean you have an opportunity to do more. You know, you think about the, the Dolphins' uh, defense into the Patriots, right? Uh, they The Patriots got two, three turnovers. They didn't score a single point off of it. That is an opportunity given to your offense to win, and, and that's kind of what we got to start seeing pretty soon from this offense. Absolutely, and I'm going to piggyback on your prediction. I mean, I think I went 1-1 one and one now. I think I had the Dolphins beating the Patriots. I truly thought they'd, they would upset them, and then I thought it would be a struggle next week. I'm going 24-23 Miami. I think all has to come together. I know it's a short week. I know they're without Byron Jones. But these are professional football players. You know, these are some of the top. I mean, you look at you look at the Dolphins versus Jags on paper. I mean, the Dolphins should win this game, in my opinion. And I mm-hmm. think it's all going to start up front. I think the offensive line's going to contain those pass rushers, like I said. I think they're going to establish the run early. I think, you know, as much as you want, might want to see Jordan Howard, as much as I might want to see Matt Breed, I think it's once again going to be the Miles Gaskin show. I think he might break off one and, and score a touchdown this game. Mike Jasicki should, you know, continue to feast. I mean, we saw what he could do when he was getting those targets. I think he caught 8 of 11 passes last week, 130 yards in that touchdown. you got to get Mike Jasicki involved because with how depleted the Dolphins are at, in the wide receiver group, I mean, that is the slot receiver right there, a huge body. How are you going to cover six foot six tight end with a linebacker or, or a nickel corner? You just can't do it. Get Mike Jasicki involved, and, you know, I, I think – 
at the end of this, it's going to come down, you know, 21-23. They're driving downfield. Jason Sanders, money, money, ding-dong, hits that field goal, game over. Dolphins finally pulling off. Then they have 10 weeks to prepare for Denver, who, you know, they're without Drew Locks. 10 days. What did I say? 10 weeks. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, they, they don't have 10 weeks. Then they have 10 days to prepare for uh, the Broncos without Drew Luck. I mean, that game looks a lot different now than it did at the beginning of the season. So, you know, we're talking that this could be 0-3, but a win, 1-2, and they could easily be 2-2, and you know, heading into to week five. So bring it all together. I think the Dolphins are going to end up getting to the passer. They're going to make Minshew force uh, make some mistakes, you know, as we failed to see early on this season, and I think they will pull off the victory. 24-23, go Dolphins. Yeah, I'm shooting 28-24, and you're spot on. If we're sitting here in two weeks and talking about a 2-2 two and two team that if, you know, you do a couple things against – the Patriots differently and if you do a couple things against the Bills differently you have a win you could have you know crazy enough be sitting there saying well they could have been 4-0 they could have been 3-1 that's the progress we want to see we want to see them kind of just be competitive floating around that 500 mark for most of the season I think that's the next step where we need to see this team go uh Josh we got a busy week we'll have a post game show Friday maybe Saturday at the absolute latest but thank you guys so much for listening to the show as I said in the top if you're enjoying what you're listening to hit that subscribe button. It helps us so much. And if you're wondering how, what else you can do to help us out, leave a five-star review. We see a couple more of them strolling in this week, and we appreciate that. And if you'd like, leave a comment, leave your questions. We'd be happy to dive into anything you guys talk about. A lot of the stuff we talk about on the show are what you guys mentioned to us on Twitter, what you guys bring up about what you liked about the show, and also what you didn't like. I mean, we're going to disagree on stuff. But, hey, at the end of the day, we can still talk Miami Dolphins football. That's all we want to do. Keep the conversation going with us on Twitter. At JMetal94, at Houts. Josh, it's game week, baby. Fins up. It's game week, and just real quick, uh, breaking news. Wide receiver DJ Chark did not practice today and is questionable for tomorrow night's Ooh. game. Versus Dolphins, kicker Josh Lambeau and center Brandon Linder are out. So pretty big pretty big uh, injury news there on the Dolphins-Jags front. But like you said, huge game. Dolphins are 0-2. They cannot go down 0-3 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Thursday night football. Tweet us your photos. Hit us up on Twitter if you have anything you, you would like to say to us. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us those five-star reviews. And like Jake and I always say, most importantly, fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins.